Hello, and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so right now. I come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning. You guys are going to want to check them out. And don't forget to leave me that five-star review if you love what you're hearing. Yes, leave me those reviews. Send it on over. It helps the podcast grow, and I'd really appreciate it, guys. So if you have a moment, take a moment. Give me that five-star rating. Now, we have an excellent show lined up today. The first segment today, Back to Basics, Commands. Yes, always important to practice the fundamentals. And so we're going to hone in on those fundamentals. We're going to go over some of the basic commands, how we teach those commands individually, uh, and, and very important, always practice the basics. Then we're going to have our guest spot, and today's guest is Andres Elizondo. Uh, and I'm welcoming him on the show because he's one of my clients, uh, one of my recent clients. And the progress that him and his wife, Christy, have made with their dog, Bruiser, is just phenomenal. And it was a really uh, interesting case with you know some anxiety issues with the dog. And um, we're going to talk more in depth about their training experience and, and really interesting to hear. Then we'll have our Breed of the Week followed by the listener Q&A. Hey, if you guys have any more questions for that listener Q&A, keep sending them my way. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Whether it's dog-related, training-related, hey, if you just have a general animal question, feel free to send it on over. It might get featured on the show. That's right. Uh, but before we get going with today's show, I have to give you today's trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what animal has the strongest sense of smell? Yes, what animal has the strongest sense of smell? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, back to basics, commands. We're going to get back to basics today and talk about how to run through commands and teach them step by step. And, you know, when I was growing up, I played a lot of sports and always had coaches tell us you have to practice the fundamentals. You have to practice the basics. And it's so true even in our dog training. You know, um, even myself, even with my own dogs, you know, when I find myself, I find my dogs maybe slipping in a particular area or something behaviorally, which doesn't happen often, <laughs> or even when they do slip, it's something minimal. But I find myself going back to basics. You go back to the walks, you go back to commands and practice those things. And it really helps, right? It helps move forward in your training. So if, if you are finding that there's something in your training you maybe are not getting success in, Go back to basics. Practice something as simple as commands. Even if your dog is good at it and knows them, they can always be a little bit better. And you'd be surprised when honing in on basics and creating more focus and reinforcing and strengthening those behaviors can do for helping in you know any area training your dog. So we're going to talk about the basics and those commands. And commands are a great tool to have in your training belt. But, you know, that's just it. They're a training tool. <laughs> They're just a tool. They're just that. You know, just because your dog knows how to sit doesn't necessarily mean they know how to listen or focus. Now, of course, training and working commands can help create some of that focus, but I find people who maybe only hone in on commands and not the focus and the listening part, you know, it just, again, just because your dog knows how to sit doesn't mean they know how to listen or focus. So it's something to think about and really important. But uh, but at the same time, that sit command is going to be important. So I have I have five basic core commands that I like to hone in on with every dog I work with, you know? Um, and those commands are going to be a sit, a stay, a lie down, a drop it, and a leave it. Now, very important, right? The, those, those five commands will actually get you pretty far in a lot of ways, in a lot of aspects of your dog's training. You know, this can help with ignoring other dogs on the walk, triggers, whether your dog has excitement triggers, uh, playtime. There's all different ways that these five core commands can go about helping you. So we're just going to run through each command and talk about how we train it. And let's start with just the most basic one, a sit. We all teach our dogs to sit. You know, most people know how to do it. But my, my, my way is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Now, whenever we start training, guys, we always want to leash up our dogs. So that's the first thing. Leash and collar, that's where it has to begin. Second thing is we're going to need treats and a treat pouch, of course. Okay, so we're going to leash up our dog. We're going to have our treats on us. And then I like to take the treat in my hand. Okay, I hold it in my hand with my hand closed. And I'll sort of hold the treat above the dog's nose just a little bit out of reach and sort of try to pull their attention up and back 
to sort of create a backwards sit motion. So I'll pull that treat above their head and kind of guide and say, sit. Okay. Then I can also use my leash a little bit and pull back a little bit on the collar in that sitting motion as well. So I'm simultaneously using a little pull, a little bit of tension on the leash and collar and using that treat above their nose to guide them back into a sit position. Of course, once they start going into that sit position, I'm going to remove the tension from the collar and reward it with a good boy, good girl, and give them a treat once they sit down, right? Good sit, good sit, give them that treat, okay? Then we're gonna let them stand up again and rinse and repeat it, okay? Now, when we are training a command, or when we're training anything for that matter, you don't wanna sit here and rinse and repeat a sit 15 minutes in a row. <laughs> you know, it's better to get a handful of repetitions of a good quality sit than have 15, you know, 15 minutes of it under your belt. So it's better that I get three good sits than work through 20 okay sits. Does that make sense, right? It kind of kind of makes sense there. Um, so think about that, that it's better to get a handful of really good repetitions in and then walk away and be done with it and come back in a little while and try it again, get another good handful of rep. It's better to get the quality versus the quantity. I guess that's really the point right there, right? Um, so think about that. Get good quality uh, uh, results from your dog and then move on. Come back and get another good quality handful of results. Move on, okay? Uh, but again, that's where the sit starts. A little bit of collar pulling back and a little bit of treat above the nose in order to get them into that position. Now, slowly but surely, I will remove the treat out of the picture, maybe only rely on a little bit of the pull, a little bit of the tension with my leash. Now, I might almost simultaneously start bringing a hand gesture in, teaching a hand gesture with the command, sit. And that'll also help me remove the treat out of the picture, okay? Some people make the mistake of using the treat too long. Don't forget, guys, we have to shape behaviors. You know, day one training shouldn't look like day 20 training. Um, so we don't want to keep that treat in the picture forever. The idea is to shape the behavior, shape the sit away from having to have that treat above their nose, shaping it into a hand signal. And before you know it, you can ask your dog sit and they'll sit right down. Okay. Now that holds true with any of our commands, any training. Day one should never look like day 20, right? Um, so think about shaping your commands as you go, shaping the behavior as you go, okay? Next command we're gonna work on is a stay, yeah. Now, one thing I will say is people oftentimes think of stay as like this own its own separate command, and really what I want you to start doing is incorporating the stay with your sit. It's a great way to start teaching them. What I mean by that is, most people will ask a dog to sit, the dog sits and they go, yay, give him a treat, and the dog pops right up and then we're done. Ah, no, I wanna extend it. We're gonna do a sit and we're gonna teach a stay. So I can say sit, good, sit, give the treat, and then tell them stay. If they keep sitting and keep staying, we're gonna say good, stay, give them another treat. Okay, so I'm gonna actually start teaching my stay command off of the sit command. Think of it as if I've already asked my dog to sit, we're kind of putting them in a neutral position and it works out really well to be able to extend that stay command onto it. So that's how I like to start with a stay is extending it off of a sit, okay? So once they learn to stay, right? Once they learn to stay from that sit, then I can work on backing away from them, right? Extending my stay to the, and now shaping the behavior, extending my stay so I can take one step backward, good stay, step in, give them a treat, good stay, okay? Then I can take two steps backwards, remind them to stay again, stay, take one, two steps backwards, they continue staying, we say, good stay, walk in, give them a treat, Okay. Now, if your dog does get up, if they do pop up when you're trying to teach a stay, not a big deal, right? We've got them leashed up, so we can just pick up that leash, put them back in a sit, say, good sit, reward it, then try it again, stay. Now, I like to put a hand signal with my stay command as well. Hand signal, I, I almost think the, the stay hand signal is pretty universal, <laughs> right? We all think of it as like a stop sign or the putting, the putting the flat palm out with a stay hand signal. That's what I use. That's what most everybody uses. Um, so this is a great time to start incorporating that hand signal as well. Gives your dog another reference point. So now we have a vocal cue and a hand signal. Makes it even easier for them to understand, okay? So I start, I start there. I start by backing away one foot, then getting two feet, then getting five feet and 10 feet. And before you know it, your dog is gonna understand, oh, stay means 
stay. Easy enough. So we start with the sit extended into a stay. Now, one little side note I'm going to make on this. There is a command, and it's, it's, it is a command when you think about it. There's a command that's not really a part of my five core commands, but you know something? It really should be. It should be kind of my six core commands, I suppose. And that, that command is a release word, right? And what I mean by this is I like to teach a dog that they, if I ask a sit, if I ask a stay, if I ask a lot, if I ask my dog anything, they should continue to do it until I release them, right? People inadvertently, <laughs> inadvertently train their dogs that good dog, good boy, good girl is the release word. Okay, what ends up happening is we go, hey, Fluffy, sit. Good, Fluffy, go boy. And before you know it, the dog pops up and thinks we're done because we've, we've said good boy and it's all excitement and crazy. And what I prefer to teach is that good boy, good dog actually means keep doing that. Doesn't mean we're done. It means keep doing that. So when I say sit, it's sit. Good, sit. And then they continue sitting because good doesn't mean we're done. It means keep doing that. Instead, I want to use a different word that teaches my dog, we're done, we're finished, release. My word for release is all right. Some people use okay, uh, again, to each his own, it's up to you guys, but my word is all right. That's the word I prefer to use to release my dog. So I'll say, hey, sit, good, stay, good, all right, and then I release them and they know I'm done. But that way, it allows me to be, able to be able to put my dog in a sit, in a stay, be able to reward it. Good. Move in. Give them a treat. Good. Stay. Walk away. And they continue to stay. Move back in. Reward it. Walk away. They continue to stay. Now, you can see it makes it very black and white for your dog to understand that, hey, they haven't released me, so I got to keep doing this. Cool. No worries. I'll keep staying here and keep getting fed. <laughs> okay. So while the release word is not a part of my five core commands, uh, it goes hand in hand because I start using it when I start teaching a sit and a stay because I'll do a sit, good sit. All right, and then they pop up, okay? Then I'll say, hey, sit, good sit. Good, we'll move in and reward it. And then I'll say, all right, and then they pop up. So I'm simultaneously teaching. I really start teaching a sit, a stay, and a, and a, and a release word. I almost start teaching all three of those commands together. And it's awesome because you can utilize that, you know? Um, it makes it so much easier for your dog to understand. Sit means sit, stay means stay, all right means we're done. Oh, simple enough, okay? So just kind of think about that as you start teaching this, okay? I like to incorporate that release word. Now, how do I teach my dog the release? Leash and collar, of course. If I put them in a sit and I put them in a stay, if they don't know what the release word means, the way I teach it is I'll actually pick up the leash and just give them a little little, little guidance forward using that leash and collar, just a little pull and say, all right, at the same time and pull them forward so they know that means they can get up. If you do that a handful of times, all right, pull them forward and release them, they'll start understanding it real quick, okay? Um, so just kind of a side note I wanted to make on that release word. Now, let's get to the lie down. A lie down can be a little trickier. Some dogs take to it faster than others. Uh, I do find like if I have a rescue dog who's maybe a little more nervous, the lie down is one that takes more time and it's because it's putting them in a more vulnerable position, if you will, right? I've talked about the different levels of relaxation. We're not going to talk about that today. Um, but obviously a lie down, a dog is, it's harder for a dog to pop up and run away if they're in a sit versus, or excuse me, if they're in a lie down versus if they're in a sit, right? So sometimes lie downs can be tricky. Again, we're going to have our dogs leashed up. The way I like to do it is I like to hold onto the leash, okay? Hold onto the leash, and then in my other hand, I'm gonna have the treat. And of course, I've got the treat in my hand closed, closed up in my hand so they can't get to it. And I'll take the treat and put it in front of their nose and then bring it to the ground. So that way they can smell it and I'll bring the treat to the ground. And it entices them to put their nose to the ground. Then once they put the nose toward the ground, I'll actually take my hand and move it, move it forward along the floor, okay? So again, taking the treat, putting it in front of their nose, and then pulling my treat to the ground, getting their nose to guide to the ground. Once the nose starts coming to the ground, I'll pull the treat a little away from their nose to entice that forward down movement into a lie down, right? So it kind of makes sense. So we pull the treat forward and down to entice the dog to bring their nose to the ground to push them in a lie down position. Now, sometimes it does take a little bit of encouragement with the collar and leash, just a little bit of tension, pulling them toward the ground simultaneously with the treat in front of their face. So that way they, they understand the movement I'm asking for. By using that leash, I'm showing them the movement, the lie down motion that I want, 
And of course, guys, once they start moving into a lie down, you're going to say, good boy, good girl. And then once they're actually in the lie down, that's when we give the reward. Okay, another side note on those treats, don't give them a treat until they actually accomplish the behavior, right? If they're halfway sitting, don't give them the treat if you've asked for a sit. Wait for them to sit. If they're halfway lying down, don't reward that. Wait for the full lie down, then reward that. Think about the actual behavior you want to strengthen, and that's what you need to reward and strengthen, right? Pretty straightforward. Um, all right, so that's a sit, that's a stay, that's a lie down, a little bit of the release word, uh, all right. And now we have our drop it and our leave it command. Now, I find that the drop it is easiest to teach using a toy. Find your dog's favorite toy. You know, that's the best way to do it. Get them interested in it. You can even start playing tug of war a little bit. Um, and then what I like to do is, you know, we're playing, we're doing tug of war. And then I'll just stiffen up, stop playing, stop tugging. I'll stiffen up and just say, drop it and hold my arm very still. Now, the dog might still keep playing tug of war with you, but you're going to play, you're going to, you're going to keep your arms still and stiff and you're not going to give back and you're not going to say, no, you're not going to make it a big deal. You're, not, you're just going to say, drop it once and wait, wait, be patient. <laughs> okay. Give them a couple seconds. Then you'll say, drop it again. Give them a little bit. Before you know it, your dog's going to get bored or confused even maybe at this point and just drop the toy. Great. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Then you're going to say, good boy, good girl, good, drop it and give them a reward for it. Then you're going to say, all right, release them, go back to playing, shake the toy in their face, have fun, play a tug of war again. And then all of a sudden, I don't know where you're going to stiffen up again and go drop it. Usually, guys, it really only takes two or three repetitions, as long as you're rewarding it with a treat. It only takes two or three repetitions for your dog to go, boy, surrendering this toy gets me something. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I'll drop it, no problem. Okay? That's how I like to start, with the toy in my hand and getting them to release it to me. Eventually, I can shape that into just looking at them and going, hey, drop it, and they'll drop it right out of their mouth without me having to touch the toy. That's the ultimate right there. When the dog is really willing to relinquish that toy to you like that without you having to, to grab onto it or anything, that's how you know you're getting there. But it's going to start with that toy in hand and a drop it, okay? Um Honestly, if you just practice it with a toy over and over and over, spend a couple weeks really honing in on that, you'll discover you won't have a problem getting your dog to drop anything you want. And start practicing with all kinds of stuff. Even if it's healthy and okay for your dog to have in their mouth, teach them to drop it. Because that way, the one time, maybe you have a puppy, uh, the one time they grab something they shouldn't, you know you've strengthened that behavior enough that it's not going to matter what they have in their mouth. They're going to drop it. Now, the worst thing you can do, guys, is chase your dogs around. <laughs> Don't chase your dogs around. Don't scream and make it a big deal that they have something in their mouth they shouldn't because they're going to pick up on that and then go, oh, this is fun. Oh, they chased me around and this is a fun game. I'm going to continue. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. But again, this is why it's important to practice these things well before your dog does have something they shouldn't and it's trouble, right? Uh, so you're practicing this ahead of time. But really, that's really all there is to it with a drop it. I think people make it a little more complicated than it needs to be. And instead, you just need to make it very black and white for your dog, okay? It's playtime, it's playtime, but when I say drop it, I stiffen up and we stop playing, okay? It makes it very easy for them to understand, oh, something changed here. And then they relinquish it and all of a sudden they get a reward for it. Now, They've got information to work with and it makes it easy. Okay, so just kind of keep that in mind with the drop it. Now a leave it command. Drop it is once it, you know, once the dog has something in their mouth, a leave it is they don't have it, but you want them to leave it alone. Now a leave it can be, you know, once we teach it, it can be applied to a squirrel, a dog, a cat, a person, <laughs> uh, food on the floor they shouldn't have, a toy, whatever you want. Okay. Now I like to practice a leave it with a toy or a treat. Either one is fine. Um, and you know, if we'll talk about the way I do it with a treat. What I'll do is, again, dog is leashed up because we're training, leash and collar, <laughs> okay? And what I'll do is I'll hold the treat out in front of their nose, but I'm going to hold it out in enough of a distance that they can't get to it. And again, I'm holding the leash, so I'm holding them back. And I'll just hold the treat in my hand and say, leave it. And when they go to lunge for the treat, I'm going to be holding that collar and leash so they can't get to it. Maybe make a small correction, nothing big, nothing crazy here, a uh, little correction and say, no, leave it. Okay. And before you know it, your dog is going to realize, okay, every time I go after this thing, he says, leave it. And I get a little correction, but when I leave it alone, there's no correction. And then I can say, good, leave it. 
could leave it. Now, if I've already teach, been teaching my release word, which you should be at this point, hence why I go in the order of the sit and the stay and the lie down first, then the drop it and leave it last. Because I've already taught my dog a release word. So if I have that treat in my hand, I'm holding the collar, I tell them leave it, they do leave it, then I'm going to say, all right, and release them and let them eat the treat. Okay, so that makes sense to you guys, right? I want to keep the treat just enough, far enough out in front of their face that they can't reach it. When they go after the uh, treat, I'm going to say, leave it, make a small correction. If they leave it alone, I'm going to say, good, leave it. If they go after the treat again, I'm going to make a small correction and say, no, leave it. Good, leave it once they leave it again. Wait a few seconds if they continue to leave it. All right, and then they get to have the treat. Then, after they get good at this, I'll take the treat, still leashed up, still holding that leash. I'll take a treat and I'll drop it on the ground and say, hey, leave it. And what's going to happen by this point usually is they'll watch that treat roll away from them and they'll wait and then they'll look up at you. Now we're getting somewhere. I'm getting focused and they're willing to give up on that treat and look up at me. I'm going to be like, heck yeah, you're looking at me. All right. And release them and let them have that treat. Okay. Your dog is going to understand that this actually works really well for them listening to you, right? Uh, doing these leave these commands is going to work really well for your dog. And that's what they're going to start figuring out. Okay. So you start by doing it in your hand. Then you start by putting it on the ground. Then we can start evolving the leave it command to other things. We're out on a walk and your dog sees a squirrel. Hey, leave it. Good, leave it. And when they do leave it, you've already got your treat pouch on and you're going to reward and strengthen that behavior. Okay. I even use a leave it command when we teach greetings. I'm not going to talk about greetings today, but when I teach greetings and the dog's getting a little overexcited toward the person, I might say, hey, leave it. Right. That leave it command can be really, really helpful. Um, but start really basic with it and really easy, okay? Really simple. Don't you know, keep, keep it really simplistic, okay? Now, there are secondary commands that I teach. Now, the release word was kind of that first secondary command, if you will. Uh, other things we can teach are like a spot or a go lie down. I like to use a dog bed as a reference. Hey, go lie down. Um, think about those other commands that you can incorporate into your playtime, into feeding time, crating time, front door time. How about getting in and out of the car? Sit, stay. I open the door to my car. All right, they jump in. You know, look, guys, I mean, for myself, sometimes I've got like uh, eight dogs I have to get in the car at the same time. I can't just open the door and have eight dogs bolting in. It, it would be a wreck. It'd be horrible. So I put them on a sit and stay and I release them one at a time to get in the car. Okay. But if the dogs don't know a sit, if the dogs don't know a stay, and if the dogs don't know a release word, that's going to be near impossible for me to accomplish. But look at that. With a sit, a stay, and a release, I can have eight dogs be controlled. It's incredible by teaching and reinforcing and strengthening these simple, basic commands, how much control you can create. People often, I, I get this a lot, where people go, how, David, how do you walk 12 dogs at the same time? How do you control 12 dogs in and out of the car? Guys, it starts with the basics because every single one of those dogs with a one-on-one, -on -one, I have taught them a sit, I've taught them a stay, I've taught them a release, I've taught them this, I've individually I've worked with those dogs so when I get eight of them it's 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 not any different than working with one of them that's the reality of it that's how I I, I make it look like magic if you will um, taking control of a dozen dogs because I practice the fundamentals and I practice the basics okay get back to basics work on your commands they're a great tool they are a, a incredibly useful tool that you need to be incorporating into all different types of your training okay um, so keep that in mind go back to basics keep it simple hone in on your commands strengthen those behaviors and i promise it'll go a long way toward helping in all the other aspects of your training with your dog Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. 
Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The nature of training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our guest spot. And today's guest is Andres Elizondo. And Andres is a client of mine. Uh, and he's here on behalf of his wife, Christy, and new daughter, Palmer, as well. And he's going to be talking to us today about his dog and their experience with training. So please help me welcome to the show, Andres. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Doing great. And uh, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it, especially, you know, new baby and everything. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you, Christy, for letting you get away <laughs> as well. And I know you're taking time off from work to uh, to be with them. And uh, so again, I just want to say thank you for, for uh, being here. And, uh, you know, let's just start with, tell us a little bit about Bruiser and about your dog and behavior that went on uh, before you guys gave me a call. Well, thanks for having me. Like you said, our dog Bruiser, he's a uh, seven pound Maltese, 10 years old. My wife, had him for about two and a half years before I came in the picture. And he was your typical purse dog, lap dog, couch dog until recently <laughs> when we decided uh, it was time to introduce him to our new baby girl. And that's when we realized it was time to get some proper training for him. Yeah. And so what was going on with, uh, you know, with his behavior specifically, um, you know, that made you guys want to call me? So over the years, the biggest thing we kept noticing was his separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. Anytime we would leave the house and leave him behind, it was incessant barking, uncontrollable. Um, and that just kind of got worse as time went on. When we brought the baby home, we noticed that he was just very controlling and the baby would almost send him into a panic. Yeah. He would bark uncontrollably. He would whine. He would cry. Yeah. To the point of needing to separate him and take him outside just to get him to calm down. Yeah. And then you guys ended up having to uh, take him to... Was it, was it your parents' house, right? My mother-in-law's yeah, house. Oh, mother your mother-in-law. That's okay, yeah. mother-in-law's Luckily, house, yeah. my mother-in-law lives very nearby, <laughs> and uh, we were able to essentially board him there Yeah. until you know we were able to have you come over for that first consultation yeah. and come up with a plan. Definitely. And uh, that was, that was, I, I liked that because I know he hadn't been in the house with Palmer and, you know, except for that initial kind of right. introduction. And, um, well, you had called me and I was about to go on vacation. <laughs> so right, right. we had kind of had this, I said, well, let's, let's, let's keep him separate. Let's continue that for a little while. So we don't maybe go down the wrong road or the wrong Avenue with trying to train. Um, and <laughs> so when I came for the consultation, that was kind of, it was kind of cool because it had been a few weeks since he had been home uh, and you met me outside with him and then we went in. And, uh, you know, what was, so what, what was your initial kind of reaction and, and how everything went there? You know, the, it was a period of three weeks from the time that we reached out and when we were able to finally have you come over for the consultation, like you said, between you going on vacation and the holidays yeah, and everything timing, of everything, course. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, that was a difficult three weeks cause we were having to go back and forth to my in-laws yeah. to make sure that we still saw him. And we didn't want him to think we abandoned him or anything. Um, but we were we were very excited about getting you in there. And when we finally did, it was a nice sense of relief knowing that, you know, there was light at the end of the tunnel that we were going to be able to make that progress Definitely. and have him in here full time. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it is one of those things when I get a phone call for a 10-year-old dog, it's like, oof. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna see. That's you know, it's a lot of the reason there is a consultation. Is we, you know, I have to see if I can help you guys right. and uh, um, see what the situation is. And it was nice that he seemed to respond very quickly. You know, it was nice to see that uh, it, with just a little bit of redirections, he was at least willing to sort of accept that to some degree. Yes. And I think that's the kind of that light you're talking about at the end of the right. tunnel, letting you kind of see that it is possible to get him to be quiet for five seconds <laughs> yeah. extended to 10, 20 and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think you guys were at a point and especially, you know, a new baby, obviously, you know, you're at a point where you knew something had to be done 
and you guys are ready to make a change to to make that happen. Um, you know, when I bring when I've brought clients, I know it's been a while since I brought a client on, um, but when I when I talk with my clients and I tell people, you know, you have to you have to change your behavior, and so. Well, the reason I really wanted to have uh, one of you guys, or both of you, and I, I know only one of you could be here today, but um, uh, to have you guys on was to talk about the change you guys have made in such a short amount of time. I've been so impressed with the the level of commitment you've had to your dog and um, and, and wanting to fix this behavior. And so um, I, talk, talk a little bit about that. And I know with Christy, you know, like things I ask uh, clients to do in the short term are not always ideal. And right. so, you know, we, we can talk a little bit about what I requested <laughs> of you guys to move forward with Bruiser's behavior. Yeah. As, as I'm sure many of your other <laughs> clients have experienced it, it's a, uh, it's quite challenging when you decide that you want to tackle this and, and you want to try to, you know, properly train your, your pet, yeah. you know, and um, Bruiser, he's like our, he was our only child, <laughs> you know, he was our fur yeah. baby for, yeah. For eight years, or I guess for no eight years together. Well, for you, yeah, exactly. For me, yeah. And um, you know, we knew that we had kind of helped him develop some of those bad habits, and we kind of enabled some of those behaviors. Um, sure. But it was always easier to just deal with them than to buckle down. Obviously, the arrival of our daughter changed the game for us, and we knew that if we were going to do it, now was the time. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, we didn't want to just get him to stop barking. We knew he was anxious and we wanted to really address that root cause and try to rid him of that anxiety so that he could live a better quality, have a better quality of life. That's awesome. So the, uh, you know, it didn't take long for for him to respond to you, obviously, on that first day. And and that really kind of helped increase our level of motivation. It got us you know, pumped up for the adventure that lied ahead. <laughs> and and obviously of, of everything we had to do, the biggest challenge was disassociating him from Christy. Obsessing. Because he was Christy. obsessive over yeah. Christy. Yeah. So so the initial direction that we got from you was to try to sever that and to to force them to keep their distance so that we could try to work on that obsession and, and shift away from it. Exactly. And that was a tremendous <laughs> challenge for Christy. <laughs> hey, she's been doing, she's but been doing really well. She's it. been doing yeah. an amazing job. That's awesome. And you know, she was, it was killing her to not be able to interact with him, even to try to help, yeah. you know, in, in training him. But now that she's able to, she's been able to integrate into the training and, yeah. and, you know, help with, disciplining him and redirecting him and 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 rewarding a little and bit. rewarding and getting of course, to that. exactly of course and you know just to, to speak a little bit about what you know what andres is, is talking about because when i do have a case like this when i've got a dog who's really anxious i mean bruiser poor guy i mean he had he had a lot of anxiety he did um and when it's to that extreme we kind of we we have to take things to you know i look at it this way is you know anybody who listens to my podcast you've heard me say it i don't like any obsessive behaviors and to say that bruiser was obsessed with <laughs> christy is like the biggest understatement um so when we have so, you know a dog going that far in one direction i, I almost have to that's just he's so obsessed with her that i need him to ignore her and once he can ignore her and be okay with that then we go a little less further to the extreme of obsessing with her. And then we go a little less ignoring and like the so on and so forth until we find that middle ground. And that's what we're starting to accomplish. And just to speak to it, it's amazing because because they've done their homework, guys, uh, because they've done their homework and because Christy is really, it's tough. It's not easy. Um, but because she's withheld that affection in the correct way and then waited for the opportune moments to reinforce the right behaviors in Bruiser, how quickly you guys have seen changes uh, in his behavior because of that, you know, because of that commitment on your end. No, absolutely. It, uh, it's been night and day and it only took us what, two sessions to feel to that really way, see that, you know, and how many we're okay. So we're at, we, we've had uh, four sessions now. Yes. Uh, yeah. We've had four sessions. We have two more coming up and uh, four out of six sessions here. And what, by the second session, you guys had him in the house and stayed the night, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. We it got him, you know, on the second session on that day, Yeah. we made the decision to, 
Let's give you it a shot and see where we are. And the only reason we came to that decision is because of your progress from session one to session two. You know, that's that's just it. The, the dog and the clients are going to dictate <laughs> no, <you're> <laughs> how right. quickly we can move forward. And the more work and dedication time you guys put in, that's why by the second session, I mean, guys, it had been weeks um, since their dog had stayed the night at their own house. And, and just by the second session with that commitment and level of, of putting in the time and effort, they were able to let him stay the night that second time. And that was, that was such a, that was awesome. I loved it. Oh yeah, that was I, exciting. Like, I love it when I can come back to a house after a session, I come back to my client, I come back to the house and I see progress and we can move forward. You know, we're not yeah. repeating the last session. I love that. That's my favorite thing when I can come and see that amazing progress a client makes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is a night and day difference I've seen in Bruiser, you know, it really is. And look, being new parents, you know, you guys, <laughs> not every baby sleeps through the night wonderfully, right? And so that was part of the that was part of the hesitation. Is is you're you're up right, you're up all night, and Palmer's waking up, and the, and the crying was a trigger for Bruiser, right. and so it's like, man, <laughs> dealing with that and then dealing with him, it was. Uh, how how was that first night? I mean, I know so, you told me a little bit about it, but let's. You know, prior yeah. to Palmer, yeah, it was quiet in the house. So when it was time <laughs> to sleep, he wouldn't hear anything. There was no noise. Babies are notoriously yeah noisy sleepers. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, while crying was his main trigger, hearing anything while trying to sleep hmm. was kind of triggering him that first night. So uh, we made it a few hours before uh, it was time to feed the baby and she was crying. And we took Bruiser outside with the baby into the living room and we ended up using it as a training opportunity because <laughs> we noticed he was triggered. And we weren't going to get sleep, whether it be from the baby or from our (laughs) anxious dog. So we went ahead and spent a few hours, you know, training him. Sure. And taking advantage and working through it and taking advantage of that opportunity. And it was amazing because by the second night, we had barely any issues. And from the third night on, he's been completely used to it and that's awesome sleeping through the night without an issue. That's so great. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Um, you know, it, I, I look, I, I quoted you halfway a couple episodes ago and that's why I have to say it again, you know, and I loved it is, is you said that, you know, why don't clients just buckle down and do the work because this is temporary. And that's the thing I want to, you know, I just want to stress on is that exactly all this work is not look at how quickly you've been able, you know, to back off with the rules and the boundaries and the really, you know, like button down, batten down rather uh, work you have to do. You've been able to back off so quick by just putting in that work. And so it's like, ah, everybody out there, just listen to that, please. <laughs> like If you just put in the time and the effort for a couple weeks and really hone in on what you need to hone in on, it's amazing uh, the results you can get, you know? Yeah, we were very fortunate that even though we are getting used to, you know, being new parents. With both of us home, we've been able to kind of split the duties. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where when Christy's on Palmer duty, I'm on Bruiser duty and yeah. vice versa, you know. Yeah. So that that's made it. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. achievable. Yes. You know, in such yeah. a short amount of time. But but that's also to the point is, I mean, you guys could have said, no, dog's going to go to in-law's house. We're right. spending this time with our new baby. And that's what it is. And instead you committed to both, you know, your dog right, and right. your child. I mean, that's, look, I, I'm always the one to say, I love animals to death, guys, but kids are the more important <laughs> aspect in life. That's, not, you know, come on. I'm an animal guy. I don't have kids, but I still believe that. Um, but to me, it's just at the same time, it's, I always say, look, you've taken that dog on, you've taken right. on a life, you've taken on an animal, you have to commit to it and you got to do what you got to do. Well, like so I said I at the beginning, that. bruisers are oldest child. He's the oldest <laughs> sibling. So we didn't have, you know, there was no choice. You looked at us. It as no we choice. knew exactly. it was happening. I love it. I love it. And that's so fantastic because a lot of people just, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's not, it's never an ideal situation when you have something like that. Um, and you could have taken that and just gone, eh, we'll deal with it later. But you saw an opportunity where you have off work right now, right. uh, and you were able to both be home. And that's exactly like you said, you, you set yourself up for success and look at the success you can get out of it. So awesome. I love it. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I love it guys. Uh, but that, you know, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's, 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 
This is what I love to do. And I, I wish I could say 100% of my clients get success every time, but that's just not the reality of it. Um, because I can only guide a horse to water. And my, as I say all the time, you know, for lack of a better phrase, if you do what I tell you to do, <laughs> you'll get results, you know, um, how quickly, how much, you know, that's, that's a little dependent upon the dog, but right. of course, dependent upon the time and effort you guys have put in. So right. it's just, it's awesome. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, Bruiser's, he's, he's a sweet little buddy, but man, you know, he, <laughs> he's got a little side. He's to got him. that little, little <laughs> side to him. Exactly. And we're working on it and he's Absolutely. doing really well. And the other thing is, you know, now we're starting to work through. So now that we've tackled some of the triggers and, you know, just dealing with being able to be in the same room, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little more that we're, we're bringing Christy back into the picture, right. you know, because uh, I, I, I can hear some people go, Oh, you're, you're telling them to not give affection to their dog. You're so mean. It's, well, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but what I did say is, you know, that Christy needs to bring her affection down. Anders, you needed to bring your affection up. Not that you were right. giving him affection, um, but to create that balance. And now that you've been really working and honing in on Bruiser, that's when we brought Christy back into the picture, guys. She's starting to be not only a source of affection, but now a source of discipline. Right. which is why you're continuing that success and why Bruiser's accepting it because he's getting that balance of reward and discipline from both of you now. Um, and that's just, it's phenomenal. It really is. Um, so, and then now we're taking to the next level where Bruiser also maybe doesn't, doesn't love dogs so much. <laughs> right. So that's the next step, right? And the training is getting him used to dogs. And uh, we, you know, the last session we, we did some good training there. We had some great success. Uh, got on a walk with a couple dogs, but, but really, you know, I just, I think it was just so cool. Let's see. We're, uh, we started second week of January. I think it was somewhere around somewhere there. Somewhere around there. Uh, point is, it's been less than a month. It's right. been less than a month, and we went from Bruiser not being able to be in the house, not being able to be around your, you know, your, your new daughter and everything, to we're sleeping the night. Um, you know, We're working on things like the crate, too, guys. The crate right. has not been an overnight success. It's something we have to work on because the crate is going to be how we're going to deal with the separation anxiety. Uh, that's another thing we have to tackle. Um, but you're getting there. You're getting there. You guys are doing awesome. So uh, I just, you know, again, I just wanted to thank you guys for for pulling your weight, <laughs> doing yeah. your part. Because you know, look, you people can pay me, and I can come give you the advice, and I can leave. And you know what? The reality is, whether my clients get success or not, I did my job. I hate right. that. I hate that. I really did. It took me years to like accept that. It, mm -hmm. it drove me nuts uh, <laughs> when I would walk out of a house and be like, "Man, we should have gotten more success." Like, "Man, we should have been better with that dog." Um, so when I do have that opportunity to walk out of a house and know we, you know, not only did I, I try to do my best and give what I can, but my clients did and they got the success. Like, that's just so awesome. That's, that's what I really love, uh, uh, doing. So, so thank you guys for doing your part. Really appreciate it. We appreciate um, your help. Hey, thank you. So, and again, thank you for coming on the show and talking with everybody a little bit about your experience with the training. Um, you know, and that's another thing, guys, 10 year old dog. I just want, that's the, you know, one more point on this before we go here, a 10 year old dog. And in less than a month, We've seen a lot of changes, right? It's not a total 180. It's not, hey, ooh, overnight transformation, magical, you know, TV show, dog training magic. It's nothing like that, guys. This is the reality of it. They put in work, they put in time, and they get awesome results, um, even with a 10-year-old dog. So everybody out there listening, think about the changes you can make in your own dogs at home uh, with the right information and the right time and effort. So um, thank you guys again for your work, and thank you again for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Pomeranian. The Pomeranians are a member of the toy group, and they come in weighing from 3 to 7 pounds. Inquisitive, energetic, and a big personality, the Pomeranian has long been sought after as a companion dog. Now, they're a curious little dog that packs a lot of personality into a small body. They can make a great watchdog, and they're also good as a family pet. Pomeranians can do well in a house or apartment setting as long as they get enough exercise, get those great daily walks in, and some fun playtime too. Now, this is a great breed to do trick training with as they're always ready to learn new tricks and behaviors, and even with their small stature, the Pomeranian can do very well at agility training too. Pomeranians are a relatively healthy breed. Responsible breeders will screen their stock for luxating patellas, hypothyroidism, collapsing tracheas, congestive heart failure, and seizures. But kept in good health, the Pomeranian can live to be 12 to 16 years old. 
The Pomeranian originally comes from an area of modern-day Poland and western Germany uh, from a province called Pomerania. Now, they're a miniaturized relation of the Spitz-type sled dogs of the Arctic. Their closest relatives are, uh, to the Pomeranian are going to be the Norwegian Elkhound, the Skipperki, the German Spitz, the American Eskimo dog, the Samoyed, and other members of the Spitz family. The Pomeranian has always experienced popularity, even in the early days. In a theologian, Martin Luther was actually known to have owned a Pomeranian-type dog, who he often mentioned in his writings. Then there was artist Michelangelo, who had a palm that sat prominently on a satin pillow and watched him paint the Sistine Chapel. Physicist Isaac Newton had a Pomeranian named Diamond, who reportedly chewed on many of his manuscripts. And then there was Mozart, who had a palm named Pimperl, to whom he dedicated an aria. While Pomeranians did experience some popularity among nobility in England, it was not until Queen Victoria's influence that brought the dogs into the public eye. The Queen was quite fond of Pomeranians, and she especially fell in love with one of her dogs named Marco, who weighed in at only 12 pounds. Now, this was a small size for a Pomeranian at the time, and it's believed that this particular dog, with its smaller stature, is what began the breeding down of the size of the Pomeranian to, well, the size that we know today. Now, the Pomeranian made its way to the United States in 1888 when a pom named Dick was first entered into the AKC stud book. Now, in 1892, the first pom was entered into a dog show in New York, and finally in 1900, the breed was recognized by the AKC. Now, the Pomeranian experienced its heightened popularity in the mid-20th century, however, they still remain a popular breed today, coming in at number 14 on the AKC breed list. The answer to today's trivia question... What animal has the strongest sense of smell? It's the African elephant. Yes, believe it or not, recent studies have actually found that the African elephant have the largest number of olfactory receptor genes ever characterized. Now, that's more than twice the amount found in dogs and more than five times found in humans. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Anne from Helen, Georgia. Anne says, My dog plays too rough when he's at the dog park, and it can sometimes create issues. What can I do to get him to stop? You know, this is not necessarily going to be the easiest thing, uh, because dog parks can be a bit chaotic to begin with. But, you know, the question I have to ask you is, how is your dog when they're not at the dog park? How are they when they're at your house? You know, that's kind of that's kind of an important factor, because if they play rough around any dog, you know, whether they're at the dog park or not, then that's something we have to address, I think, before we get to the dog park. You know, um, if it's only at the dog park, what that most likely means is because, you know, dog parks tend to be a pretty big open space. It's probably why, you know, that that's amping him up. Having enough space to really run around and get amped like that can sometimes create them to be too overexcitable. Um, so one of the best ways to address this, honestly, is more exercise, believe it or not. And I know you're like, well, I'm taking him to the dog park. Isn't that exercise? Uh, <laughs> yes, but I, you know, look, go back and listen to my uh, segment on dog parks. There's actually a couple segments on dog parks. We did one recently, and then there was one way back, um, I think even the, what, single digits, <laughs> single digit episodes a long time ago we did, um, but really good information about dog parks. And one of the things I stress in there is about how you approach the dog park and how you get there. So if you get to the dog park and your dog is already very overexcited, barking in the car, pulling you toward the park, that kind of stuff, believe it or not, that's going to add up to your dog playing too rough in the dog park. How they approach the park, how they enter the park is really going to have an impact on how they behave once they're in there. So I recommend taking your dog for a walk before you go to the dog park, believe it or not. Yes. Um, getting some of that excess energy out, some of that built up energy. A lot of people think the dog park is the place to go to alleviate that. And in my opinion, that's just not true. It's not. You need to get rid of that initial energy first by providing a good walk for your dog. Uh, and then the secondary energy, that extra supplemental stuff, that's what the dog park really should be used for. Now, I don't know, maybe you are going for a great walk now, uh, but I'd have to guess, I'd have to say, and most likely what's happening there is your dog has got a little too much pent up energy. Now, maybe it's also a socialization thing that we do need to approach from, from that aspect. And like I said, 
that's something maybe it's easier to start with at your house in the backyard where you only have maybe a friend's dog over one or two dogs, as opposed to a dog park full of dogs where there's a lot of overstimulation happening. Um, so I would say get your dog on a, on, on more walks, even if you're walking them already, extend the walk or go for a big walk right before you go to the dog park. And of course, we need to approach this from the behavioral socialization standpoint, making sure your dog plays well when they're not at the dog park, and that's going to help ensure that they have more success once they are there. Next question. This comes from Brian from Boston, Massachusetts. Brian says, what are some great dog treats that I can give my dog? That's a good question. There's a lot of dog treats out on the market. We've kind of uh, talked about this before. I mean, look, I, I have a pretty basic criteria when it comes to treats. If I am, I mean, look, first of all, I don't really believe in giving dogs a ton of unnecessary treats. I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's good for them. Um, it's not to say I don't give my dog treats just because, but I don't do it very often. I, I just, I just don't. Uh, my dog gets, my dogs get plenty of treats all the time. They get their dog food. They, they're very happy and very fulfilled. So be sparing with your treats. Don't give too many treats. That's the first thing I have to say. Uh, but my criteria when it comes to treats is they have to be made in the USA. I don't buy any treats that are made in China. Um, there's just, there's a lot of bad stuff that can go on with that with recalls and God only knows what ingredients are going in there. <laughs> so that's my biggest thing is that package has to say made in the USA on it. That's just, that's first and foremost. When it comes to training treats, I do have a brand I am particular to. I really like a brand called Pet Botanics. Pet Botanics is phenomenal. They're available in all the pet stores online. You can get them anywhere. The dogs really like the bacon flavor. I mean, I like bacon flavor too, uh, but they're partial to the bacon flavor. They also have chicken beef. They just came out with a freeze-dried treat, which I, I really like and my dogs love. Um, I like it because it's a good free. Some of those freeze-dried treats tend to crumble in your hands, and these actually pull apart pretty well. Um, so I like that from a training aspect. But yeah, Pet Botanics, I like that brand. But look, guys, there's a lot of great treats out on the market. There's a lot of great brands and a lot of great uh, companies out there. But you have to ask yourself, what's your criteria? If you're getting a treat for training, my preference is going to be something small, something soft, something meaty, something they can eat and be done quick. We move on. I can give them another reward right after. So uh, that's my preference there. But look, guys, there's a lot of great treats out there. So that that's kind of, uh, I, I can't tell you like, hey, these are, these are the only brands you should buy. Um, by no means am I saying that. But then we can also give our dog stuff on the natural food side of it, like piece of banana. Guys, bananas are great. Carrots. Carrots make a great treat, especially like um, uh, the little carrot sticks are a great way. You can chop them up into small pieces and give your dog treats with that. There's a lot of great human food out there that we can give our dogs um, as a supplemental treat. Berries, strawberries are a good one. Uh, blueberries. So, there's, there's definitely a few things you can do. I will say I avoid rawhides. Uh, definitely need to avoid rawhides, guys. It's not good stuff if you're talking about treats on like, like that. Uh, but there are other better alternatives. Look for natural stuff. Look for stuff made in the USA. Look for things that don't splinter. And of course, if in doubt, guys, ask your veterinarian. You know, always go ask your veterinarian because, hey, maybe your dog has some special dietary needs and they're going to be able to guide you and give you the best advice there. But uh, hope that kind of helped out with what kind of treats you can give your dog. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, if you haven't given us that five-star review yet, go ahead, stop what you're doing and go do that right now. A very special thank you to my guest today, Andres Elizondo, for coming on and sharing his training experience with us. Have a wonderful week and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Oh, 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 oh,